Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Well, didn't they do a great job? Yeah, let's tell them again. Great job. You know, I love, I love traditions. I love, uh, I love a lot of traditions. There's a few that I don't like. One of them that I love is this tradition. Um, Melanie McCormick and Patty Reynolds and crew and, and these kids that help us get the Christmas season started off right. And so we, uh, we're so thankful for them. Um, and so thank you, uh, children, and thanks, um, Melanie and Patty. We appreciate uh, you helping us get this Christmas season started uh, well. Now, there is, a, there is a tradition that I don't like that's about this time of year. It happened about a week ago. Um, let me finish it before you totally just get mad at me. Um, Thanksgiving, I like. The Thanksgiving meal, not so much, right? And some of you guys are shocked. You're going, what? And I'm going, I'm, here, here's what I will tell you. Um, you don't like it that much either because you only eat it once a year, right? You only cook that turkey once a year. Why? Because it's terrible. I talked my family into about five years ago, maybe six years ago, to ordering a a pastrami from a restaurant in uh, New York City. It was the best Thanksgiving meal we ever had. Everybody loved it, but they missed the tradition of the Thanksgiving bird. And so I've been outvoted ever since, and we now have Thanksgiving birds every Thanksgiving, and we probably will. Um, And I'll get the pastrami from Cat's Deli some other time. Uh, But, you know, there's another tradition that happens this time of year that I love, and it's lights. I love people who decorate their houses. I don't decorate mine, but I love looking at your house that's been decorated on the outside. Uh, I love going to Callaway Gardens and seeing the fantasy and lights. We've been taking our kids to that since before they could walk, and and it's just fun uh, seeing all of those things and the Christmas trees and, and all of the lights that go along with those. And it made me start thinking about what is it about lights that I like so much? What is it about light that really represents Christmas, aside from the fact that this is what uh, the Bible describes Jesus as the light of the world and that he was given at Christmas. And so it made me start thinking about wanting to understand and study a little bit more about what's the true meaning of the light uh, of Christmas. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're actually beginning a, a series through this December that Pastor Keith and I are, are working on. We're basing it on some work done by Pastor Tim Keller, but we're going to dig in this morning um, by helping us to understand the true meaning behind Christmas, why was Christmas necessary? And so I want to give you a key truth. Uh, I want to read it for you. It's going to come up on the screen in just a second. But let me go ahead and tell you, it may be hard for some of us to accept this key truth. And here's the truth. It's that the world is a dark place. And I want to add to that. It's not just that the world is a dark place. It is filled with broken and sinful people. All right, the world's a dark place filled with broken and sinful people, and we will never find our own way or see the true reality of the world unless Jesus is our light. Now, why is that hard for some of us to accept or to understand? Let me maybe illustrate it this way for you. So, uh, Christmas morning, one of the other traditions a lot of you have that, that we have is the giving of presents, right? Well, in our family, it works where the youngest goes first, open their stuff, and um, then the next, and then it gets to me now that I'm the oldest in our household, and so I open my things. But imagine with me for a moment if, if I had gotten three presents. Now, um, I have pictures of them. I'm going to show you in just a second. And you could tell by the way they were wrapped. You could tell they were books. All right? You like, I like books. Some of you like books. And you're going, okay, this would be some cool Christmas presents. But let's say you opened the first one. 
And you read the title of the first one, and it was, it was this. It's going to come up on the screen. It says, Smart People Don't Diet, How the Latest Science Can Help You Lose Weight Permanently. And you go, hmm, what is my wife trying to tell me? Do I need to lose a little weight? Is she trying to say I need to eat a little healthier? I mean, there's broccoli on that thing. All right, you just kind of say thanks and kind of put that one aside. Then you get to the second book, and you're, you're excited because you're going to open it. You unwrap it, and this is what the second book is. Dave Ramsey's financial piece, Revisited. And you think to yourself, you don't say this out loud, but you think to yourself, didn't we just do this like eight or ten years ago? I thought we were doing okay on all this. Apparently, trying to tell me something. And then you get to the third book. Now, the third book was given to you by your kids. And you're thinking, certainly, they're not going to give me something where they think I need to work on. But you open the third book, and it's this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, (laughs) given to you by your kids. And you're trying to think to yourself, all right, now, this really didn't happen, thankfully. All right, that would have been embarrassing gifts, maybe. But had it happened, I could have done one of two things. I could have simply said, hey, thanks, and kind of put the books aside. Or I really could have meant it when I said thanks and acknowledged that maybe I do need to eat a little more broccoli. Um, Maybe not that, right? No. But maybe eat a little healthier, right? And maybe I do need to be a little better with my finances. And maybe I do need to work on my relationships and how I interact with people. It, it, it takes coming to a spot where you go, okay, I do have a problem here and I need help. Just so that, that key truth that the world's a dark place filled with broken and sinful people, the reason why it's hard is because we have to get to a spot where we recognize that it's not dark and sinful people that are out there, it's here. I'm that person that needs forgiveness. I'm that person that's broken. I'm the one that's causing, in part, the world to be dark. And we've got to get to that spot and realize that before we can truly understand Jesus being the light of the world. You see, we've got to get to the spot where we realize that on our own, we can't make it. That we actually need Jesus to solve life's biggest problems. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 16, it's a great passage um, where Matthew is actually quoting from Isaiah. But he says this, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. A light has dawned. And then on in John chapter 1, Verse 9 and 10, it says this, The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. The Bible has given us some great imagery of who Jesus is in these passages, but it's also telling us a couple of things. In short, it's teaching us this, that the world is full of, of broken, sinful people. And it's a dark place. It is now, it was then. At the time of Jesus' birth, there was violence, there was injustice, there was abuse of power, there was refugees roaming around trying to figure out where in the world they were going to live. It sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? Why does all of that stuff still go on and still happen? Because the world is a dark place, full of sinful and broken people. 
But those, those passages also teach us that the world, meaning the people in the world, are ignorant. Meaning this, meaning that no one on our own, or even together, can solve these problems without Jesus. The people that were walking in darkness, they says that they have seen a great light, and a light has dawned on them. Now to understand what this, these, this, this darkness looked like, if you, look, if you were to turn to Isaiah chapter 8, we don't have time to do that this morning, but if you were to turn to Isaiah chapter 8, you would read about what the darkness looked like then, and you would see that the people that were living in that darkness, in that dark time, they turned to their subject matter experts. There were the mediums and the spiritualists. They were the people that back then were the considered the wise ones. And people went to them for answers, trying to solve all of their problems. And they still needed answers because those people weren't able to answer them. Now, you and I, we don't go to the spiritualists and mediums anymore necessarily. Or at least most of us don't. But what we do do is we will turn to our government. We will turn to business. We will turn to medicine. And we will turn to technology to try to fix our problems. And the reality is, is that while, yes, medicine has cured some things, but the reality is that all of those things won't be fixed on this side of eternity Because there still is a problem of sin in the world, which will lead to poverty, injustice, violence, and evil. Even among people who we think ought to be doing good stuff. Just this week I was reading uh, an article about international adoption, which that's not a bad thing, that's a good thing. But in this case, there was an organization that that was getting kids, they were placing them in adoptive families... And more than once, as these kids that had been adopted learned to speak English, they would tell their adoptive moms and dads how great life was at home back for where they were. They said, you know what, I had a mom. She took me to school every day and she provided for me. And they realized that this organization that um, had, had been known and trusted was actually going to families and promising their parents in another country that their kids would come to America and get educated and then come back home. That's terrible and evil. That's terrible and evil. Why would something like that happen? Because the world is a dark and sinful place. And we need a light that will dawn on us. I love the imagery that comes along with a light dawning on us. The sun is a big deal, isn't it? Orange, yellowish ball in the sky. It is a big deal. We got to see how powerful that was not too long ago uh, here. Um, Do you remember the eclipse that happened not too long ago? I wish now, looking back, that I would have gone to one of the areas of total darkness, the little band where that would have happened, because I think that would have been cool to have seen. I thought it'd get dark here. I mean, we were told, hey, look, it's going to get like 97, 98% blocked. Now, how many of y'all were outside at the peak of the eclipse? Could you see perfectly? The answer to that question is yes, you could, because 2 to 3% of the sun was powerful enough to still help us see what was going on. The sun is absolutely powerful. And so in this imagery that a light has dawned, God is teaching us that something powerful happened at Jesus' birth. And he's not just teaching us and helping us to understand that something powerful has happened. He's also helping us to understand and see that This dawning is going to bring new life to us. It's going to bring truth to us, and it's going to bring beauty to the world. So let's explore this for just a moment. The sun will bring life 
to us. Now, this may sound dumb to you, but have you noticed that the sun is required for living things to grow? I mean, it is. You have to have light for plants to grow. I, was, I learned this probably as a kid, but I was reminded of this on a mission trip to Alaska. Uh, years ago, I had gone on a mission trip with Alaska with students from here, and part of the group that I was working with, we were working with elderly folks that would come to a day home, and they would hang out during the day, uh, and then they would go back to their houses, and we got to eat lunch with them, which was awesome, because we got to hear all kinds of cool stories about what was like, life like for them. They were all homesteaders that had moved there, I think in the 40s and 50s, when the government was giving away land if you would come and start a farm there. And so we got to hear their stories of what life was like. I'm I'm a curious person, and I like asking all kinds of questions. I probably said some really stupid things. But one of the things that I asked them, because they were homesteaders, and I knew enough because I had driven uh, a little bit in Alaska in 2005 on this trip, and I knew there weren't like grocery stores on every corner. You know how I knew that? Because there's not a corner everywhere. But they just don't have them. And so I was asking these people, I was like, what do y'all do for food? What did y'all do for food? I mean, like now I know you come to the old folks' home, and 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 you eat here, Right? That's probably what I said to them. And they probably were like, man, you're a jerk. But that's what I said. Um, and they were, they were like, well, we grew our food. And I went, but isn't it dark? And it, don't you don't have much time? And isn't it really cold? And they said, yeah, but the plants that do grow here, they grow fast. They said, because while our, our growing season is short, the length of our days are like 23 hours. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. The sun brings life to things. And it brought life to those people. Just so, this dawn that Isaiah writes about and that Matthew quotes is saying that Jesus would be the one that would bring life to mankind. Acts chapter 17 verse 28 says, For in him we live and move and have our being. In other words, all that we do, all our existence is based on God and his goodness and it is a gift from him. But not only does the sun bring life, the sun brings truth. In other words, it helps us to see how things really are in the world. And that's what Jesus does for us. But another, another illustration from another mission trip to, to Guyana. Um, I got to lead and be a part of a team uh, on a, of, a, of medical teams. I didn't know anything about medicine. But, uh, but we had about seven or eight of us that were going from Georgetown, the coastal town, to the town in Guyana right up next to the border of Brazil. And we were supposed to have been like an eight-hour drive through the jungle on dirt roads. Uh, and it was supposed to have been easy to get there. But it was um, an incredibly rainy season that year. So our uh, progress was slowed down. Well, by about 5 o'clock, I realized that we had not yet gotten to the ferry crossing. Now, the ferry crossing, there was a big river that goes through Guyana that they had not built a bridge across. And so you had to have a ferry to get across it. All the other rivers you'd just drive through. But this one was deep enough and big enough that you'd have to have a ferry. Well, I realized around 5 o'clock we hadn't gotten there yet. And it was starting to get dark. And so around 5.30, we get to the edge of that river where the ferry is. And it had just gotten back to our side. And the ferry boat captain got off and said, we'll see you tomorrow. And we were like, wait, we got to get across this river because there's people on the other side that we're supposed to help. And that's where our hotel is, another two or three hours down the road. But we need to get across. And he said, sorry, not going to help you. And we said, we'll pay you double. And he goes, okay, I'll help you. And uh, he walks back to some little shack area. He comes back and says, I'm not going to do it. And he walks away. 
Well, we're going, what in the world are we going to do? And a few minutes later, he comes out and he says, we said, listen, we really got to get across. Our whole trip hinges on getting across this because we've got these different villages we're supposed to hit where we're doing these medical clinics and we want to share Christ. And he goes, I'm not going to take you. We said, we'll pay you triple. He goes, okay, I'll take you. He walks off, comes back and says, I'm not taking you. He walks away and we never see him again until the next morning. We were stuck on this side of the river. We couldn't get there. So thankfully, apparently this happened to people periodically because they had built these little huts, sort of little restaurants. By restaurant, I mean an egg sandwich. And when I say hut, I mean like two poles for you to string a hammock up. And so that was where we stayed that night. And I remember being really frustrated. I mean, really frustrated going, man, God, we're supposed to be across there. We're supposed to be helping people. Dawn comes the next morning and light comes and the ferry boat captain comes out and he goes, all right, I'll take you across. Y'all be the first ones to go. I looked around and went, I think we're the only ones to go, right? He goes, man, whatever. But he put us on the boat. We went across. And very soon I realized why he didn't let us go across. You see, on the other side of that river were a number of tributaries to that river. And those tributaries would be like creeks to us. They were little small things, maybe, maybe five to ten yards across. And they had built bridges across those. But do you remember earlier in the story I told you it was a rainy season? All of those five to ten yard creeks had now become 40 and 50 yards across. And all of them had flooded their bridges. And you couldn't see the bridges anymore. And so one of our Guyanese friends actually got out of the vehicle and walked ahead of us. Find, he had a stick and he was finding the, the roadbed for us. And then when he would get to where he thought the river was, he'd find the bridge and he would stand on the edge and he'd say, now you could drive across. You know what we couldn't have done during the night? We couldn't have found those bridges. There's no way in the world. I mean, we had headlights, but there's no way in the world that we would have found those bridges. The light of the sun brought truth and helped us to see the true reality of what we were facing. Just so, Scripture says that God is the source of truth and His Son Jesus will shine light on us. 1 John chapter 1 Verse 5 and 6 says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. Jesus, this gift that came at Christmas for us, will help us to know what our lives are really like and help us to avoid the pitfalls in those lives and the darkness and sin that's there. But not only is the sun powerful, not only does it bring truth, but it also is absolutely beautiful and gorgeous, isn't it? How many of y'all have ever seen the sunrise? Anybody? And I love seeing the sunrise. I don't get to see it so much anymore. When Lindsay and I were on our uh, honeymoon uh, a little over 20 years ago now, uh, we were on a short little cruise and uh, I was like, hey, why don't we get up in the morning and go watch the sunrise? And she looked at me like I was the biggest fool in the world. She was like, what in the world would you do that for? And I realized at that moment that as a couple, we would probably see more sunsets together than we would see sunrises. And that's okay. But I do love sunrises. I love them because they're beautiful. I love the way the sky begins to lighten up. I love the colors, how they change. Even if you're like out in the woods and you can start to see that the colors are changing a little bit or in your backyard and the animals start to, to chirp and move and do all of that. And that's good unless they're squirrels trying to get in your house, right? But it brings this beauty to the world. Sunrise does. And scripture tells us that this gift 
that this gift of Jesus is going to bring a beauty to the world never before seen. Never before seen. Now in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, remember Matthew earlier was quoting Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. But in verse 6 and 7, let me read that for you. Very familiar passage to a lot of us. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, it says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's a gift to us that happens at Christmas. The best gift ever. The best gift ever. And this gift that is being foretold about, and that we read then about in Matthew, is given four titles that I want to explain to you very quickly The four titles, Mighty God, excuse me, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, he's given that title because it's indicating, Isaiah's prophesying, that this man, God, Jesus, is going to be incredibly wise. Incredibly wise. He's going to be extraordinarily full of wisdom. And you and I are people who need wisdom, we can go to him and get wisdom from him. I've never understood why people who are struggling with something go to people who have also train-wrecked their lives in that same thing, unless those people that have finally figured out how to get out of it. I understand that. But if they're still in the middle of a train wreck, you know what doesn't make sense is to go to that train wreck person and ask for advice. Go to people who are wise. Go to people who have done what you're trying to do and, and, and have succeeded at it. And, and, and this title, Wonderful Counselor, the scriptures are teaching us that we can go to Jesus to get that wisdom. We can go to him. Mighty God is a title that's a little bit self-explanatory, but it, it drives us to make a decision. It drives us to either say, yes, we believe that mighty God is who Jesus is or that he's not. How many of y'all ever seen that old movie, The Karate Kid? Anybody ever? The old one with Mr. Miyagi and Danielson. Came on over Thanksgiving. So my family and I, we decided to watch it. I had forgotten how lame the movie was, but also kind of how fun and and everything it was. I got sucked into it. My kids left after about 30 minutes. They were like, this is lame. I'm not watching this. But I got sucked in. I'm watching it. It's bringing back all kinds of memories. There's a scene in there where Mr. Miyagi is talking to Daniel Daniel had been begging him to teach him karate, and, and he basically says this to him. He says, Danielson, and that's just a fun word to say, isn't it? Danielson, karate, you have to walk on the right side of the road, which, which he meant is you've got to go all in and really study it and really be all about karate. Or you've got to get on the left side of the road, which, means, which meant, hey, you don't really pay attention to karate. You just kind of go and live life. But he said if you walk in the middle, you'll get squished just like a grape. Do you remember that scene? Some of you do, some of you are going, what? Go watch it. It's, it's kind of a lame and fun movie all at the same time. Um, that same decision is what mighty, the title Mighty God drives us to make. Either, either we say, yes, he is Mighty God, and we fall at his feet, and we worship him, and we obey him, and we give him our lives, or we totally reject him, and we go our own way, 
And we suffer whatever those consequences are. But to walk in the middle is not an option. Because to walk in the middle is basically to make the choice to reject him. You can't, you, you, you can't just kind of be in the middle and go, ah, oh, well, Jesus was okay. No, he's got the title Mighty God. You've got to decide what you're going to do with that title. The other titles that he was given was Everlasting Father. This title, quite simply, is a title that is equating Jesus to be one and the same as God the Father. And then Prince of Peace, indicating that he and he alone is the one that will truly solve the problems of the world. In other words, we can't just try harder to be better. We can't just invest more money in technology and in medicine to solve all the world's problems. We'll solve some of them, but we won't solve all of them. There still will be injustice and greed and strife and hunger and conflict. There still will be people in need of a Savior. Why? Because without Christ, we are a broken, sinful people. And the good news is, this thing that the the kids sang about, this light of Christmas is incredible news for us because it means that a light has dawned on us. And we simply have to, if we go back to the Isaiah passage, it's a gift given, but it's also a gift that has to be received. It means that you have to decide. You get to decide. What are you going to do with this knowledge of who God is? Are you going to choose to follow him or are you going to choose to go your own way? Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. In a, in a crowd this size, in a group this size, even if you grew up in church, stats tell us that there are people that need to follow Christ. They need to become a follower of Christ. And so this morning, if, you're go, if you were to say, hey, John, you know, I want to know who this Jesus is. I want to follow him. I want Jesus to be in my life. There's good news for you. A light has come, and you can receive that gift. And here's how you can do it. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment, but I'm going to tell you what the prayer says first. In the prayer, you're going to pray and ask God to be your leader. And here's what that means. It means that you're basically giving him complete and total control of your life. You're asking him to be your boss. You're declaring him to be mighty God by making him your leader. And you're going to ask him to be your forgiver, that prince of peace, to forgive you of your sin and your wrongdoing so that you could be reconnected to him. So let me lead you in a prayer. And if this expresses the attitude of your heart, then pray it along with me. If you don't get the words just right, that's okay because God's more concerned about what's going on on the inside of you than just the exact words. So here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, to the best that I understand it, I ask you to come into my life to be my leader. Lord, in other words, I declare you to be mighty God of my life. God, I I also ask you to be my forgiver. Forgive me for my sin, for me choosing to go my own way and not yours. Listen, with your heads bowed and your eyes still closed for a moment, if you prayed that prayer, Again, it's not a magic prayer. If, you're, if, the, if, if that describes your heart at the moment, would you let us know about that on the back of the response card that Pastor Chad spoke of just a few moments ago at the beginning of our service? There's a box on the back, back of that that says, Today I'm committing my life to Christ. 
If you would check that box, let us know about it because we want to help you on that journey of having a relationship with him. You can turn those cards in in just a little bit when we pass the offering baskets. Lord Jesus, we thank you for loving us and for being the light that dawned on our lives. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword DOGWOOD to 77977 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and to give. 